Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Friday, December 9th, 2022. Hot or iced? I ask this question to my wife on a fairly regular basis before I make her coffee. And she'll respond one or the other, sometimes based on the the weather and the time of year and what sounds more refreshing based off of that, sometimes maybe just based off her mood or preference, but it is always one or the other. It is always hot or iced. Never in all my time of being married to my wife has she said, you know, I would really like my coffee room temp today. I would really like it lukewarm. And you probably see where I'm going with this when you think about liquid uh, beverages, the universal preference usually is for uh, I want it hot or I want it cold, especially if you think about drinks like coffee or tea, you know, room temp, especially if you if you're expecting hot or cold and you take some room temp into your mouth, you may be tempted to spit that right out of your mouth. Well, some may have a preference for, you know, room temp water because it's easier to absorb. I'm talking about think about things like coffee or tea. Room temp is not what is desired. And of course, again, you you see where I'm going with this as our reading today is Revelation chapter 3 in the New Testament. And there's the famous words to the church at Laodicea, that he would that either them be cold or hot, but then they are lukewarm. And so he is going to spit them out of his mouth. Now, there's some question, what does that mean? And you've probably often heard this taught, I'd rather you be hot, kind of on fire for the Lord or cold, just kind of totally out and opposed to the Lord, but instead you're somewhere in the middle. Um, And some ask the question, well, hey, are we kind of superimposing modern Western ideas where we value hot being on fire as opposed to being cold? Uh, And there is, I think, legitimate discussion about some of the cities around Laodicea were known either for their hot springs or their cool, refreshing water. Uh, But Laodicea actually had water that was kind of tepid and, and lukewarm and not as as valued. And so is he just saying hot has value, cold has value, not necessarily positive or negative, but you're neither. Uh, I, I do think that there is validity to the idea that hot means, hey, you, you are warm and on fire for the Lord and cold means, you know, you're, you're out. Uh, you're not seeking the Lord at all. And I would say consider there are images in the Bible that use those. Those aren't just modern Western things, but Paul tells uh, the Romans to be fervent in spirit. The idea there is boiling, uh, to be fervent. Jesus warns that in the last days, the love of many will grow cold. So I think there's biblical precedent for us to think hot. uh, Yeah, you're on fire, cold, you're out. And even that's where I would say, I think that there's truth to those words, that it would be better to be cold than to be lukewarm. And I would say, just consider um, even what I think we'll drill down into. What is he getting at by saying they're lukewarm? I think a, a key part of it is they're hypocrites. And that's where I would say that starts to make sense when you think of it that way. I would rather someone just be, I'm not following Christ than 
claim they're following Christ, but they're actually not following Christ. Uh, That hypocrisy, I mean, consider what Jesus hated the most. The Pharisees, uh, the, the religious leaders, the hypocrites, right? So it would make sense that here Jesus is saying, hey, hypocrites, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. Now, I want to drill down into well, what is it that leads them, I think, to a good understanding would be this hypocrisy. Um, what is it that leads them to this disgusting hypocrisy? In verse 17, helps us see that. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. And so here, uh, what I want you to see, I think there's a connection between the idea of apathy or complacency, and I think that leads to hypocrisy. Uh, These people, they think they've got it all. They think they're rich. They think they've prospered. They think they need nothing. And I think these words are not really referring to material things because uh, the second part, uh, when he says, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked, I don't think... I think that's pretty clear. He's not referring to literal uh, pity, poor poverty, blindness, or nakedness. It seems that he is clearly talking about something spiritual. So they think that they have got it all together and they don't realize that they have nothing. And that's where I would drive you back to Jesus in the gospels. He uh, has problems with the hypocritical religious leaders, and they think they've got it all. And also, whenever you get to some kind of legalistic system, usually what that, what, why people do that is it makes them feel good about themselves. If there's a bunch of rules, I can make sure I'm keeping those rules and therefore think, look at me, I've got it all together. And that's what leads to hypocrisy. And think on the other hand, what did Jesus praise? What is the first beatitude? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom uh, of heaven. Um, And so as you think through those things, I I want you to consider your own life. Do you think you've got it all together? Or uh, do you realize I need Jesus? I need his help. Uh, We don't want to be complacent. We don't want to be apathetic thinking I'm doing great. We want to have always, I think, in our Christian life, a sense of desperate dependence on Christ. And that, I think, will keep us from being lukewarm. That will keep us... um, on fire, right? Even if you think about that idea of being fervent in spirit, be boiling, well, you got to be on the stove. Uh, You've got to be leaning on Jesus Christ if you are going to be hot. Um, And so that's what I really want to warn you against today is watch out for complacency, watch out for apathy in your Christian life. Uh, Those things will lead to hypocrisy. Those things will make you uh, disgusting in the eyes of Christ. Um, On the other hand, develop a desperate dependence on Christ, realizing without Christ, I've got nothing. Uh, I need to be someone who is poor in spirit, always relying on Christ. Now, as we consider the earlier letters in chapter three, I want you to note um, just the value of endurance. Um, 
the church at Sardis is a church that receives a really a strong rebuke. Look how the letter starts. I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Uh, But then later, it says in verse 4, Yet you have still a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. Um, And then the letter to the church of Philadelphia, this seems to be more of a positive um, letter, uh, a letter of commendation to a church. And in verse 10, he says, Because you have kept my word about patient endurance. I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to those to try those who dwell on the earth. So there it's it's because of their patient endurance. So the whole church at Philadelphia seems to be patiently enduring faithfully whereas the church in Sardis it seems to be a, a small few of the church who are patiently enduring and not giving in to sin, not soiling their garments with false teaching or impure living. And so there I think that's a commendation to all of us. Hey, whatever happens in our world, whatever happens in our community we must remain faithful to Christ. We cannot give in to false teaching. We cannot give in to impurity. Uh, we cannot cave under pressure or persecution. We want to remain faithful to Christ. And I think that's where what, what will help us in that, a desperate dependence on Christ, not thinking we have it all together. Let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. So Revelation 3 If you want to be hot, if you want to be on fire, don't be apathetic. Don't be complacent. Daily depend on Christ. Now let's go to the Old Testament to the book of Joel. Now this one's tricky in our chronological plan. Uh, We're reading it after Ezekiel, and I'll show you one of the reasons why I think I'm borrowing from kind of a chronological plan, especially for our Old Testament section from a plan that was put out by Crossway, who publishes the English Standard Version. Um, So that's where I'm getting some of this ordering, and they're putting Joel here. I'll I'll show you later, but it's really hard to be conclusive. You, You look at any commentary about Joel, and they're going to mention, because there's not really any clear markers in here, it's hard to say definitively when this was written. And even there's this whole locust invasion. Was that talking about a literal uh, kind of plague of of locusts and uh, some problem that happened in the nation of Israel? Or is it really talking about an invasion? Uh, As you think even about verse six, for a nation has come up against my land. It seems like there may be something to that. Uh, It's hard to answer some of those questions definitively, but a few themes that should jump out and it, it's not really super important when exactly this book was written for us to understand these themes. You see a theme of judgment. You, you see that God is going to judge the world. Um, either that's just through the locust invasion or chapter two, when it speaks of the day of the Lord. So there's a theme of judgment here. There's also a clear uh, call to repentance here. You see that, especially in chapter two, verse 12, yet even now declares the Lord return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts 
and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. So there you see judgment is coming, but there's a call to repentance. And you see, even this is a repentance that really starts in our hearts, rend your heart and not your garments. But there you even see a third theme I want to show you from the book of Joel is that of restoration. There's judgment, there's a call to repentance, but then there's a promise of restoration. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful. And I love the picture of chapter 2, verse 25, where he talks about, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, right? He can restore what uh, his judgment even has uh, taken away. God is merciful and gracious and he can restore. And then even at the end, you you see this um, future and a picture of restoration. And even chapter three, verse 18 says, and in that day, the mountains shall drip sweet wine and the hills shall flow with milk and all the stream beds of Judah shall flow with water. And then listen to this. I think this is why we're reading this right after the end of Ezekiel. Uh, And a fountain shall come forth from the house of the Lord. All right, that's kind of what we read there at the end of Ezekiel, where this water starts flowing out from the temple and becoming a river that goes all the way to the Dead Sea. But here, I think the picture is restoration, and and God is saying, hey, repent, because God can restore. So as you read the book of Joel, there may be some questions that are hard to answer definitively, but I think there are clear themes of just the judgment of God, a call to repentance, and a promise of restoration. And maybe those are things you need to hear. If there is sin, in your life. Be warned. God will not take that lightly, but know that there, he's calling you to repent. And even he is offering restoration. And there's many times where God can restore things, even painful consequences of our sin. Return to the Lord because he is gracious. And again, a good reminder, all of us, we cannot get over a sense of dependence on God. We cannot give in to apathy or complacency because it will lead to hypocrisy. And the lukewarm church of Laodicea, Jesus said he would spit them out of his mouth. That's not something that we want. I hope that all of you who are listening to this are truly hot on fire for the Lord because of a deep dependence on him. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.